listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this exciting message by Pastor Andy Squires. Man, I'm still not recovered from worship. Sometimes we're a little more demonstrative than other times in worship, right? Get a little crazy and rowdy. Sometimes you can feel judged like somebody's judging you for moving your hands or moving your feet or moving your body a certain way. But I always like to say, don't judge my breakthrough till you've seen my been through. So, and I don't always love Jesus, but sometimes I do. And this morning I was loving him extra special like. Sarah McMillan said this week, she, said, she, she used a Coogan phrase. She said, that guy was cutting a shine. I thought, I'm using that one. We were cutting a shine this morning for Jesus. I don't know what that literally means. I, I thought it was a good thing, though. So, But you know you're, you know you're winning in the kingdom if, if worship leaders that you raised up to lead worship are better than you at leading worship. You know, that's a fact. Like, if your, kids, if your kids are outshining you, you're doing right. You're doing it well, you know. And I was just looking at Matt and Savannah and Brandon and, and Joshy and Trent and Caleb and Stuart. And Al's, Al's a little older than me, so he's not one of my kids. He, he, we're we're kind of cohorts. So, <laughs> But anyways, I was just looking at all these guys, and I was like, Dang it, these guys are so good. I was like, I need to put the C team on every Sunday because they're so good. <laughs> That's not a slight. I mean, that, that wasn't the A team this morning. I'm on the A team, man. <laughs> but when the C team out, starts out shining the A team, guess who becomes the A team, you know? I just feel the glory, though. Even in rehearsal, when they were practicing Future Pass, I just walked in. You know, the music's always good. Like sometimes the music is so good, it just gets annoying, and just like you just like, oh, great, great music. Oh, the drummer's good. You know, like so what? You know, oh, great sound. Like we have different problems than other churches. Most other churches are. They're struggling for good sound. That's not one of our fights here, you know. Like, we have good music. And so, like, for me, I'm always just like, when is the Lord going to come, you know? Like, <laughs> like, the music is great. But, man, you can have all the music, good music that you want. If the Lord doesn't show up, it's just like, oh, boring, you know. That's why people take drugs when they go to listen to music, you know, because music is good. But if you take drugs and listen to music at the same time, it gets so much better, you know. <laughs> But, no, seriously, church is the original inebriation, you know? Like, second chapter of Acts, these people were gathering together in in the presence of the Lord, and the Lord showed up, and things just got really good, you know? And I, I, that's what I'm living for. Honestly, Amy and I are kind of sold out to this. If Jesus doesn't show up, we're not doing it. Well, or, or we we might be doing it. We might be doing it, but it's not a lot of fun, you know? So... All right, if you have your Bible today, and hopefully you do, you can open up the pages to John chapter 6. We are in a series of John. 
we, we're kind of, uh, we don't do things in order around here. We're just kind of like taking different shots and we're, we're going after what the Lord, um, has laid upon our hearts. So John chapter six is what I'm going to be pulling from today. It's a long chapter, but, um, I'm going to try to cover as much as we can, but I'm actually going to talk about a specific thing today. And, uh, I'm, I'm, the title of my message is the bread of life. Now, if you've been around the church for any amount of time, you know the phrase, it's like snooze fest. Like you, you hear somebody say, oh, Jesus is the bread of life. And you just instantly go to sleep. You're like, don't know, don't care, move on to the next thing. It sounds like a nice phrase. It's poetic, but you know, you know, call me when you have the smoke machine working and then I'll show up, you know, John chapter six, I'm going to just skim through some verses here. This is from verse 35. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. John chapter six, verse 41. The Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread which comes down from heaven. Verse 48, Jesus is continuing. He says, I am the bread of life. And then in 51, he says, I am the living bread which comes down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. And then in verse 53, then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat this flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. I'm jumping up to verse 55. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead he who eats this bread will live forever let's pray jesus you're already in this room and we are so thankful for you here today and we come submitting ourselves to you this morning and and any weakness in my words lord our trust is in your spirit power to give us the strength, the joy, the grace, the peace that we need to continue on in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So the Lord started speaking to me a couple weeks ago specifically about bread. Okay? So like I said before, it's a phrase you've heard before. If you've been in church any amount of time, it's boring, it's tired, it's whatever. Okay? So this is why we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to help us because we are walking through the world and we tend towards blindness. We tend towards deafness, right? So we have to constantly confess and cry out to the Lord to help us. And he will help us, all right? I feel like my whole life is just me constantly stumbling into the grace of God, all right? Any revelation or wisdom that I have this morning to share with you, I... um, Maybe did a little bit for it, but mostly it's just me crying out to the Lord and me counting on the great compulsion of the Lord to lead me into his grace. God has a compulsion to help me. He has a compulsion to help you. All right. So I was thinking one day about bread and how underwhelming bread is. 
I had been reading John chapter 6 and I came across the overly familiar passage in verse 47 where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And I began to think through this and I began to say to myself, I don't even know what this means. In the Bible, bread is a big deal. The topic of bread is found in the Old Testament and it's found in the New Testament. Bread is one of the main ways that Jesus describes himself in the New Testament. Of all the things that God could have used to describe himself, to me, bread is the most underwhelming choice he could have made. All right? Bread is not sexy. Bread is not influential. Bread is not powerful. Bread is not forceful. Bread is not intimidating. Bread gets stale quickly. Bread gets soggy. Bread cannot do much for itself. Bread is useful to a degree, but it is not impressive. And as far as messiahs go, if you're looking for a way to describe yourself when you show up, there are much more impressive symbols for you to use other than bread. Are you with me so far? Jesus is the least expected Messiah, though. He is the one who shows up and says, I am the bread. What is God like? He is like bread. And this is the most offensive thing of all. The God we want is the Jesus who miraculously feeds the 5,000, but the God we get is the Jesus who unmiraculously dies and feeds everybody. John chapter 6 is a long chapter and is too much to cover in one message, but I want to do an overview. Okay, in the very beginning of the chapter, it starts out with the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, okay? This is one of the few stories that you'll find in all four of the Gospels, okay? It's kind of a turning point in Jesus' ministry. Up into the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus is like walking around doing miracle signs and wonders. And he's doing this because he's pointing to the fact that he's the son of man. He's the son of God. He's the Messiah. He has the seal of the Father upon him. He is who he says he is. But at the feeding of the 5,000, everything changes. Okay? His miracle working power begins to diminish. The signs and wonders stop all of a sudden. In fact, people are showing up and saying, hey, listen, do some signs and then we'll believe you. He goes, most assuredly, I say to you, I know your hearts. You've already seen signs and you refuse to believe. So first, is the, it's the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, which is it's like miracle provision. It's a miracle of provision. And then next, in part of the chapter, we see Jesus walking on the water. This is like, it's a, you could call it a miracle of deliverance. John is setting us up in the story in, in John chapter 6. He is connecting the stories in John chapter 6 to the Exodus chapter of deliverance. The Exodus of, of the Jews out of Israel, okay? After Jesus walks on the water, a bunch of people were seeking him. 
And he, he had performed a great miracle and people were running after him. And Jesus calls them out and he says, most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate the bread and you were filled. Don't labor for the food which perishes, but labor for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the son of man will give you because God the father has set his seal of approval on him. And they answered, what shall we do that we may work the works of God. And he's saying, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who God sent. All right, that totally threw them for a loop when he said that. It was an offense to many. It was confusing to others. They were looking for something to do. He had done all these signs. He had done all these wonders. And he's getting to his main point. He's saying, Here, you want to know what to do for God? Believe in me. Not just believe in me, but believe what I'm saying and what I'm doing. Okay, here's a misconception a lot of Christians have, especially charismatic Christians. They elevate the miracles of Jesus over the teaching of Jesus. The miracles of Jesus are meant to point to the main thing that Jesus is saying and doing. He's showing people a better way to be a human being. He's teaching all kinds of things that were revolutionary. Get this. The Sermon on the Mount had never been given before Jesus gave it. It was a revolutionary idea into the earth. And we'll see later on in the, in the, in the chapter 6. Jesus says this eventually. My words are spirit and life. When he was speaking on the Sermon on the Mount, he was teaching, he was, he was showing forth this new and fresh revelation into the earth. And it was literally breathing life into the earth. And we make a really big mistake if we spend our entire lives running around these elusive miracles and miss his main point. So imagine with me for a moment that you cannot read. Okay, I know that's hard to do, but we're going to do a little imagination exercise here. Let's do this together. Imagine not being able to make sense of the alphabet. I want you to think about being a person who gets everything they know through others who are telling stories. Imagine that all that you knew about understanding life and all that you knew about God came through the storytelling and instruction of a priest or a rabbi. All that you know about God is mostly connected to a story of great miracles of deliverance and provision of your people out of Egypt, being freed from Egypt... And led to a promised land of freedom, provision, and glory. Okay? That's who was listening to Jesus. It was mostly an illiterate people who were steeped in a narrative. They knew where they came from. They knew their people had been freed from the prophet Moses. And great signs and wonders had been done to extract those people out of Egypt. All right? 
Imagine being extremely familiar with the story of how Moses the prophet delivered your people out of slavery and your expectation was that another like Moses was going to appear and the hope and expectation was that this Messiah was going to come and perform great miracles of strength and power and deliver you out of the oppression of Rome. These are the kinds of ears that were hearing Jesus talk. This is why everybody was confused when Jesus was talking. Because their expectation was firmly rooted in their story. And then imagine this. Imagine being among the 5,000 people who witnessed the miracle of Jesus miraculously distributing bread and fish taking the few loaves and breaking them into enough food to feed a small army. Imagine witnessing that power and thinking to yourself, could this be the Messiah who has come to destroy our enemies and free us from the fear of not having enough to eat? Okay, so their problems were real. They lived in an unjust culture. They were being oppressed by power. And they were living in a time in history when food was scarce. That's all anybody thought about was getting enough to eat, trying to figure out how to feed their families. Okay? This is a ubiquitous issue for all of humanity up until the last hundred years when the industrialization of food has kind of like created a surplus for everybody. Prior to the last hundred years, food was hard to get. So when Jesus is telling these people, don't labor after food. He's not being cute. He's really saying, lay your life on the line here, man. And they're like, what? All we think about is how to get food. And here's this guy taking blows and frisks and feeding 5,000 people out of nothing. We have to make this guy our king. He has all the power that we need to get ourselves out of this Roman prison. And obviously he can feed as many people as he wants. They are obsessed with the miracle working power of this man all of a sudden. And can you blame them? Wouldn't you be? When Jesus shows up with a miracle in your life, don't you become kind of infatuated with that moment? You cannot blame those people, man. When God comes through for me in some certain instances in my life, like once or twice, it's been great. You should always rejoice when your prayers are answered. When you have gone after something and you have contended for it and God does something unpredictable and shows up, you should party on it, man. But, but what Jesus is going to point us to is if you spend the rest of your life obsessing on this miracle, you will miss the point of why I'm here. So we are not far off from these people that are chasing after Jesus in John 6. We are after him so that he'll perform some great miracle that will benefit us. Okay? We're like, give us another sign, Jesus. We want to see you do something on our behalf. And Jesus is like, the thing that you really hunger for is standing right here before you. 
That's what Jesus would, like this, this interchange between the Pharisees and the Judeans, they're all complaining because he keeps going, I'm the bread of life, I'm the bread of life, I'm the bread of life. They're like, what are you talking about? They're so confused. They can't even believe the miracles that he's done up until this point because they're so confused. How annoying is Jesus? We're all like, Jesus, I'm really hungry. And Jesus is all, I'm bread. <laughs> like, I, I, I get so worn out from that answer. Like, Lord, I need my bills pay. pay. Please come through for me. And Jesus is like, I'm bread. Like, <laughs> it's the big tension, isn't it? There's an old Yiddish proverb that says, um, it says, uh, if only that God would provide until he does. But that's what we feel so often, isn't it? It's that tension of like, oh, we've got all these thoughts. We've got all these plans. We've got all these prisons that we want to be released from. We've got all these miracles. We've got, we, we got these bills that need to get paid. We've got this dream that needs to come true. We get this, need this song that needs to get written, this album that needs to get produced. We've got these businesses that we need to start. We've got places to go. We've got people to see. And those things are all good, but they are not the bread of heaven. And so many times in our lives, we spend put out with God, offended with God because he's not making all of that other stuff come true. And he's standing right in front of us going, I'm bread. I'm bread. The thing that you're really hungry for is standing right in front of you. Come and partake. So most of us aren't even disinterested in Jesus. We're offended by him. Jesus is always showing up in the most unpredictable ways. I always hear people talking about how faithful Jesus is. And the thing that I have observed is that the only thing Jesus is really faithful at is his unpredictability. I'll let you think about that for a second. He's faithful in his unpredictableness. He is He is faithful not to be at my beck and call. He is faithful not to be at my command. He is faithful not to live up to my desire for him to feed me with fishes and loaves every time I feel like he should. He is faithful to leave me to my own devices until I become unoffended enough by his claim that he is bread so that I can finally eat. He is faithful to feed me on himself. Many of us have been looking for a God who will give us what we want. We have been looking for the problem solver God. But what we have is this bread. And this bread is terrible at solving problems. I know I'm messing with some of you in here. You okay? Jesus is the great confronter. He confronts us by refusing to give us the God we have been looking for and instead gives us the God that he is. The God that Jesus is, is the God that we are offended by. I just lost some people right there. Jesus is bread. And Jesus gives himself to us. You know the teaching of Jesus. 
The way of Jesus is not lesser than the miracles of Jesus. I used to think that the Sermon on the Mount was boring. And that it held less promise than all the miracles that Jesus did. But if you read his miracles and you think to yourself that his miracles are greater than his teaching, then you have already missed the point of his miracles. His miracles were not his main program. They were a sign of his main program. Jesus rebuked the people for running after him for his ability to give them actual food. He says, most assuredly, you do not seek me because you saw the signs. You seek me because you were filled with the loaves. If there was one thing that Jesus excelled at, it was shrinking his ministry. If he was the best at anything, he was the best at marginalizing and losing his followers. So John chapter 6 has this trajectory to it. At the beginning of John chapter 6, he is surrounded by many of his followers, many of his disciples, and thousands of other people that have come to listen to him talk. And by the end of the chapter, he has offended and marginalized everybody off. They are all gone. The only people that are left with him by the end of chapter 6 is the original 12. How does Jesus lose all his followers? He gets crass and he gets downright non-kosher. He says this. He goes through the I'm the bread, I'm the bread, I'm the bread stuff. He's just mystified and confused everybody. And then he says this, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. My flesh is indeed food and my blood is drink indeed. And therefore many of his disciples said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? I love this phrase. This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? Because I read the Bible all the time and I, I come away with that. This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? One of the things that I've noticed about the church of Jesus Christ in this day and age that we are in is that we tend to shy away from being confronted in ourselves. When we read the scripture so often, we don't like what it's saying to us. So we find another way to interpret the scripture rather than letting the scripture deal with us. And I'm not saying that theology doesn't take a lot of time. There's not multiple perspectives. But if you lose the spirit of the word in your reading and you only go to an intellectual place where you're reading the Bible, you will miss the true thrust of what the word even means in your life. Ask yourself this question. Am I prepared to be offended by Jesus today? Am I prepared to read something that I do not understand? That's a great way to get ready to do Bible reading. Lord, here I am, ready to be amazed by yet another thing that I don't understand. It's the entryway into the kingdom. This is how you come. If you come thinking that you already know all the stories and you already have all this understanding, guess what? You won't receive anything else. And if you've already written it off, as in Jesus has nothing to give you, then you will not receive anything. 
So all of his disciples are going away. They're saying, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? Jesus heard his disciples complaining and asked, does this offend you? He's like, it's, it's, he's being coy. He knows they're offended. He's like, does this offend you? Like, I kind of love it because he's kind of like, he's got no dams to give. You know, it's like, he's like, oh, are you offended too? Just like everybody else? He's, he's, his expectation is that they're going to leave at that point. And from that time, many of his disciples, this is crazy. This is, this, this is heartbreaking when you really feel the force of this next line. Many of his disciples, these weren't the outer courts people that were there for the bread. It says many of his disciples, these were followers of Jesus, heard his saying and they went back and they walked with him no more. Guys, it is, it is possible to be so offended with Jesus that you walk with him no more. I'm convinced that the world that we live in right now is set up for people to be offended as constantly as possible. Like it's just this constant parade of offense. I mean, you know all the possible places that happens. I don't even need to say it out loud, but man... We have to be aware, guys. We have to be aware of what we're ingesting. We have to be aware of the voices that we're listening to. We're have, we need to be aware of those things because we need to guard that place in our hearts where we let Jesus have access to and we let him speak the loudest. We let him speak louder over all of those other voices that want our attention. Jesus turned to the 12 and said, do you also want to go away? And I love this. <laughs> Peter the dummy says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. I'm, con- I'm convinced that was just a shot of the dark, man. <laughs> like, like he saw all of his non-options behind him. And he was like, uh, there's nowhere else to go. Like, like I, I've literally felt this feeling before. I've, I've felt that that place of like despair and doubt in my own life where I just like want to dive off the cliff over into atheism. And it's like, it's like, um, as bad as this faith thing is over here, that abyss over there is like way worse. (laughs) You know, like I, 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 I hear the critique. I it's, it's like constant, like the church is in a terrible mess these days the church, there's so much bad stuff going on with the church there's so much um bad like uh um uh, variations of the church i don't know we might be a bad variation of the church i who knows but you know what i'm saying it's like like our two percent is better than the zero percent out there you know like i've said this before but you don't want to imagine a world where the church of jesus christ doesn't exist the church really is the salt of the earth like, I know I, I'm repeating myself, but I should just say, you know, the decrepit little neighborhood Baptist church that has 40 old ladies in it, and that's all of their membership. You want them in the neighborhood. You want their prayers. You want their potlucks. You want their decrepit youth programs. You want them voting. You want them doing all of that kind of stuff. Because the world without those people would not be a place that we would want to be. So like we're Peter and we're like, ah, you're saying a lot of hard things that we don't know and we're offended, but where else are we going to go, Lord? 
also we have, like Peter, come to believe and to know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's what he says. He says, where else can I go? And he says, he says, Jesus, we have come to believe and to know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Sometimes I think that some of us are waiting to know before we believe, but this is, we believe and then we know. We trust Jesus and then we find out. <laughs> you know why it's important to confess the Apostles' Creed over your life? It's important to say those words out loud because those are the things that form you. You read the Bible out loud because that's the thing that's making you. We're being made by the work of the Spirit. Okay, I'm going to try to speed this up. Sorry, guys. Y'all good? Okay. So this has been on my, this has been my heart's cry for many years. I so relate with Peter. So many of the things that Jesus says confronts my unbelief and cynicism. And I try not to listen to Jesus very much because when I, when he speaks, I say things like, this is a hard saying. And how the heck am I supposed to understand this? But I hear Jesus saying, it is the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. The words Jesus speaks to us are life. Don't be afraid and don't be offended by the hard things that Jesus says. This is what it means to eat the bread of life. This is what it means. God's like, I'm bread. I'm bread. This is what you can do. You can go, you're bread. I'm offended. And you can go your own way. The Greek that Jesus is using when he says, you've got to eat me, it's literally crunch and munch. It's literally gobble up. There's not an actual accurate English cross translation from the word that he's using. When he says, you must eat my flesh, he's literally, you need to make noises like an animal and consume me. You need to gobble up. You need to sink your teeth into what I'm saying and what I'm doing. Don't be offended by me because the things I'm saying to you will put life in your life. It means to sink your teeth down into the way of Jesus. It means to crunch and munch, to gobble down his words, his ways, his unpredictable moves of his spirit. It means to constantly trust, 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 and to believe so that you may know that he is the Christ. Imagine if Jesus had showed up like his disciples, showed up to his disciples as most of his disciples had hoped, he would have said things like this. I am the sword of life and I have come to destroy your enemies. Or he would have said, I am the guru of life and I will reveal to you all the principles you need to rise from the bottom to the top. He would have said, I am the celebrity of life and I will be the ideal for all of your vanity to live vicariously through. He would have said, I am the politician of life. I will end injustice and solve all of your issues with properly written and enforced public policy. He's like, I'm bread. I'm bread. This is the ultimate offense. Sarah Lee, white bread, 
trash bread. Nonetheless, it's Jesus. I am the sword of life. I am the guru of life. I am the celebrity of life. I am the politician of life. But God has said none of these things. To all of us foolish people, he said, I am the bread of life. Take and eat. God could have chosen anything which with, to describe himself, but he chose a loaf of bread. Bread is very unsuspecting. I don't even like bread. Bread without butter or jam is the worst. I never walk past a loaf of bread and think to myself, oh, that looks good. I'll eat a slice. Do it. Does anybody do that? Eat bread? Just like walk past bread and eat it? Oh, y'all must be on the verdant payroll. Let's hear it for verdant bread today, all right? Here's the thing. Bread cannot impose its will on anything. You've been waiting for God to impose his will on you. You've been waiting for God to impose his will on the world. You've been waiting for God to impose his will on your terrible circumstance. Guess what Jesus is saying to you? I'm bread. It sits on a shelf. It can feed you. But you have to eat it. You can easily walk past the loaf of bread and get no revelation. That was so good. I should say that again. You can easily walk past the loaf of bread and get no revelation. That is what God is like. He tells us he's like bread and we go, okay, yeah, that's nice. And go on with our lives. And we don't really appreciate how much God likes to hide in plain sight. Why does God like to hide? Because he knows the vanity that lurks in our hearts. He knows we are not much different than the folks surrounding him during his time on the earth. He knows as soon as he performs a miracle that we are going to build an altar and try to crown him king of the world. He knows we are always trying to fashion him into our own image. But he's always like, I'm bread. Every time you think of the Lord, you never think of bread. I promise you. You think of some angry warrior on a white horse with a sword in his mouth. Straight out of Revelation. Another book we don't understand. And don't let the church fool you. You take all the music, all the lighting, all the money, all the TV cameras, all the makeup and hair, all the organization, all the conferences... And then next to that, you hold up a loaf of bread. Which do you think the average Christian in America would say was like God? Jesus held up a loaf of bread at the Last Supper before our eyes because he was giving us the answer. All your guns, all your swords, all your miracles, all your songs, all your celebrities, all your philosophies, all your trying, 
All your religion are nothing compared to this loaf of bread. Jesus is the bread of life. This is the bread that breaks the sword. Right here. Midtune, can you come up? Right here. I need a bag of Fritos. Can somebody run and get a bag of Fritos in the, in the, in the back kitchen? There's a shelf and there's a, there's a white basket. And in the white basket, there's a bag of Fritos for the gluten-free folks. So, so here's, here's what happened to me. You know, normally we do communion and it's so, it's so nice and it's so organized. And it's, we, we get people involved and it's really good and it's really special. But, but during worship today, I was just getting wrecked by the Lord this morning. And I was just like, Lord, what are you doing? What are you doing for us this morning? What are you doing? And I just had this vision. I mean, we should make things special. We should put up nice tables and tablecloths and everything. Sometimes you just got to go guerrilla warfare on this thing. And I just had this vision that people were hungry for the bread of life this morning. People were hungry to be forgiven. People were hungry to have the sword broken in their life. I mean, for all my talk about Jesus not doing any miracles in my life, man, the truth is over and over and over and over and over. Jesus meets me at the bread, man. He meets me at the bread and the wine. And so this is this little decrepit plastic bag of Sarah Lee. And we got a bag of Fritos for you gluten-free people. And all we're going to do, it's this simple. You're just going to rush the stage. And you're just going to eat the bread of life this morning. We don't even have juice to dip it in. We're just going to get all nasty. People haven't cleaned their hands or anything like that. But this is what the Lord is doing. Sometimes the Lord is serving things up that we don't like. But we just need to step into it. We just This is our way of saying yes to you, Lord. Lord, move. Move again in our lives. Have your way. We just want to enter and eat. eat. Oh, the worst of all, the heel. Who eats the heel? Listen, I'll, I'll go first. I'm just... Lord Jesus... We lift up your body this morning. We thank you for your body that you gave to us this morning. Lord, we lift up our lives to you. And we we confess that we're hungry for you this morning, Lord. We confess our need for you. We confess that there's things that you say that we do not understand. But we don't want to be those Jesus followers who hear those hard words and decide to walk with you no longer. But Jesus, we're saying today, go past our misunderstanding. Go past our lack of understanding. Go past our lack of money. Go past our lack of peace. 
go past our lack, Jesus. And give us yourself this morning, Lord. Give us yourself this morning as we eat this bread. So church, this is simple. I'm unorganized. I'm just laying bread on these speakers. And as you want, just come up and break off a piece and pray over yourself that you don't get a cold or something like that. Just come on. Just come on. We're doing this messy. What's that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Heal. There's the heal. Serve somebody if you want to. Just just do it however you want. Just make sure everybody gets a piece. act of faith all of our grubby paws all over the spread it's so good praise the Lord This is it. 
This is the bread that has overcome the world. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Receive your forgiveness this morning. Jesus, we love you. We love you, Holy Spirit. Father, we rejoice in you. We affirm our trust in you. For any person that has some kind of situation that just feels impossible, we just speak your grace. We speak your life into that situation, Lord. Father, for folks that are really struggling, I pray that you would you would help and cause the rest of us to carry those struggles for those people. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives, Jesus. And we will always, always follow you, always love you. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. We've got healing teams, right, Stephen? Yes. For folks that want specific prayer this morning, we invite you just to come up to the front corner over here. Stephen and his team will be happy to pray with you, speak life over you, whatever you want. Um, So kiss somebody, greet somebody with a holy kiss or a Christian side hug. Take somebody out to lunch um, and uh, have a great week. We'll see you next week been listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church.